to the podcast. Why is the skin brown? What? Dad? Who is Christopher Columbus? What happened? What is Juneteenth? Oh, all police back. What does freedom mean? Hi, Emma. Hi, Grace. Welcome, everyone, to Freedom Means. Freedom Means is a podcast hosted by me, a black woman, storyteller, and mother, Grace Aldridge. And me, a white preschool teacher, Emma Redden. We use this as a public praxis space to model what conversations related to racism and colonialism could sound like with young children. Historically, this work has been unequally distributed to many black and brown people who talk about race with their children in the hopes of keeping them more safe. We want to support that work and encourage white adults to take greater responsibility in a multiracial movement to identify and disrupt the racist stories that are entrenched in our collective imaginations from early childhood. In this scenario, a white child is watching a black child get on the swings at a playground. And after the black child takes their glasses off and puts them in their pocket, the white child says, Can you see? Yes. Well, what do I look like? White? No, I'm not. In this role play, I will be the child, the white child, and Emma will play the adult. Hi, Gracie. Hi, did you see me? Oh my gosh, you are incredible pumping on the swings. You've worked so hard to learn how to pump. Yeah, I'm really good. I noticed that when you were waiting for your turn on the swings that you asked one of the other kids at the playground about what you looked like and they called you white. And I noticed that, what did you say when they called you white? Do you remember what you said? I mean, I, I checked, I looked at, I'm not, I like, I stretch my arms out. I don't see white. Yeah, I know. I'm really interested in the fact that a lot of words mean more than one thing. So white actually means two things. One thing is that it means the color and you're right. No, you are not white, like the, like a piece of paper, but white also is a way that we describe the race of a group of people. Do you, do you remember, do you know what race means? A race, like a, like running, like when I, when I um, did the three-legged race. Oh my gosh. I was so fast. You couldn't even see my feet. I know. I was like, oh, is that Sonic? Okay, so exactly. So race sometimes means running so, so fast or hopping so fast in a three-legged race. It's also a way we talk about groups of people. So do you remember when we talked about how people have different skin colors? Yeah, it's like the the, the, um, peachiness, um, that melanin is in my skin, and it makes my skin peachy. Nice job remembering that word, melanin. Exactly. And do you remember how we talked about people with light tan skin or peachy skin who were from a place called Europe came over to this land and stole the land and stole the bodies and hurt the bodies of people with brown skin. They did not want to share, and it was really, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. That's exactly right. They didn't want to share, and they were really, really hurtful, which is always, always, always unfair. You're exactly right. So 
the same people who were stealing the bodies of people with brown skin and not getting in trouble for it. Remember, we've been talking about the police and some people get in trouble and some people don't. So they were people with light tan skin. They were coming here in boats. They were stealing the bodies and hurting the bodies of people with brown skin. And they were trying to make up stories to explain why it would possibly be okay to steal people and to hurt people and to make them work. Yeah, because that makes no sense. Exactly. It's ju- it's just a completely awful, wrong thing to do. It's not, It's that's never, ever an okay thing. And sometimes when people do things that aren't okay, that are just wrong, that they try to show in some way that actually maybe like it's okay and so sometimes they make up lies so for example like let's say I took all of your Legos but then I was trying to convince everyone that actually it was okay that I took all of your Legos so maybe I would make up a story and I would say something like well Grace doesn't even like Legos so that's a lie, right? It's a lie for me to to make up a story to explain why it would be okay to steal your Legos. It would never be okay to do that. It doesn't even matter. Maybe you didn't even like Legos. It doesn't matter. It's not okay to make up lies to explain why it's okay to hurt people. And so these people from Europe with light tan skin made this lie that said that all people with light tan skin are part of one group and that group is more important than groups of people with brown skin. And so it's real that some people have light tan skin and their melanin is more sleepy, but it's made up that all of those people are the same and it's made up that all of those people are more important. So this word white is was a made up word to describe people who have the skin color like I do, but to, and so that part is true, but then the lie is that this group of people is the most important group of people. Well, yeah, I'll just be brown because that's not, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be mm. that. Yeah. I know. I want to think together more about like, what do we do with all of the feelings in our body of disappointment or sadness about what people who look like us who came before us have done that's really really important to think about like what do we do with all of that sadness and I also just want to remind you that even if we can't choose we don't get to really choose in the place we live if we're considered to be a white person but what we can choose is if we act like white people are taught to act well who teaches them Emma, how'd that go for you? I think it went pretty well for me. And I think a huge part of why it felt like it went okay was because it's relying on the conversations you and I have already had. You know, so this is episode four. And already in this, we my answer referenced conversations we had in the in the previous three episodes. It just speaks to the cumulative nature of this work and how this is all so complex and complicated that we're never ever one conversation I mean we could have thousands of these conversations and we still there would still be more depth and understanding and complexity for us to really wrap our minds around so I'm just struck even after this is just the fourth time you and I have done this in this context like for the podcast and already in a way in this imaginary world we're building together 
we're already relying on the work we've already done with each other um, as these like touchstones and as these places that we can keep going back to, to, to build understanding. Right. Yeah. And I think that that sort of sequencing and cumulative nature, like noticing those patterns also reinforces how this has, this story has repeated itself Mm. over and over again Mm -hmm. in so many different iterations um, Mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. So once you, you have one thing established, it becomes um, easier to talk about lots of other parts of history. Right. The conversations are cumulative, just like, the violence has been replicated and has accumulated as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's such a challenge to present, you know, what blackness is and what whiteness is because they are stories that have been built in very different Mm -hmm. ways and have very different purposes. I love, um, the book by Ta-Nehisi Coates, I mean, Between the World and Me, and he has this HBO special about it. And the last line of the special is, you know, they made us a race and we made ourselves a mm. people. And I think that is so powerful. And it's in contrast to how I feel like the story of whiteness has been built and what it has required of white people. And Ijoma Oluo, who contributed to that book, 400 Souls, which is edited by Ibram X. Kendi and Keisha and Blaine. Um, She talks about, you know, developing her racial identity. And, you know, her mother, who is white, she says, you know, I remember my mother asking me a few years ago why I did not call myself half white. And I explained to her, you cannot become part white. Whiteness is a ledge you can only fall from. And so I think that is a stark difference um, between the two stories and speaks very concisely to what is required to be a part of that story, you know, to remain on the ledge. Our next role play is going to pick up where the last one left off. And I am now going to play the role of the white child and Grace is going to be the grown up. Who teaches that? Who teaches the story of being white? Mm-hmm. Well, that that's a great question. And it is a long story. The story was made up hundreds of years ago. And there were many ways that the story was told. You know, they wrote it in the beginning. They wrote it into rules called laws that people had to follow. And as time went on, the story of being white got retold and retold. And now we still get messages about it. We get messages from other people, from movies, from books, from music. Like Elephant and Piggy. Yeah. Gerald's my favorite. He's my best friend. Gerald (laughs) is hilarious. When you believe that story, you might make decisions about your life um, because you believe you're part of this group. And lots of people have that, you know, they might decide that they're going to live in a certain area because, you know, other people who are part of this group live in that 
of the group of whiteness live in that area and that they might be more safe. It might be a better place to live. But do you think that that is necessarily true? No. Or people might decide that they need to do something with the a bunch of trash that they have. You know, they don't have enough places to put the things that they want to throw away. And they might choose to put it in a place where, you know, they're not people that are part of the same group that they are. They think that they're in. They send all of their dirty, stinky, smelly trash to where brown people live. They might make the decision to put it, you know, closer to areas where people who don't look like them live. <gasps> yeah, brown and brown and black That's people. That's so mean. Yeah, it's it's definitely not fair. And um, or they they might make a decision to. Um, you know, if they have money and they work at a, a bank and that they might share it more with people who look like them, because I think they're part of the same group, then they might share it with people who, you know, have brown and black skin and they feel like are different from them. I love the bank. I'm so good at doing those numbers what are the num? What are those buttons? Where do we go? Where like I lean out the car and I get to choose the two seven. You're such a big help at the oh, ATM, yeah, ATM when we go to, to get money. I yeah, love the ATM. The, all those things, you know, the decisions that might be made because you think you're part of one a group is not fair. It is not fair, and it can become dangerous for people with brown and black skin because it affects their lives. But you know what? what? Even when this f- story was first made and first told, there were always people of all different colors who kept saying, this is not true. This is not a true story. All th- you know, Just like me, I say it's not true. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, we know that no matter what color your skin is, if it's really dark brown, if it's medium brown, if it's peachy, if it's really fair, that all the people with all different color skin are beautiful and amazing and powerful and important and they're valuable. And together we can write new stories. Gracie, how is that for you? You were amazing for one. Talk about explaining structural racism in four minutes to a child. It's like, that's no small thing. My throat is dry. (laughs) I feel like parched. (laughs) I think I would need, like, yeah, like sweating. Like, it it feels, um, yeah, it feels sometimes like a high wire act, which is not uncommon just being a parent. Like, when you're having a conversation that you know is important. Yeah, the energy output's huge. Trying to talk about structural racism in four minutes to a child is not uh, easy. <laughs> and so, again, as we shared before, these conversations happen over long periods of time and can be revisited. And, you know, as we need to take breaks, as the, you know, the children we're talking to take breaks, because I think a lot of the time they'll pick up if we're mm-hmm. stressed out. You know, we most of our communication is nonverbal. So um, the way we... You know, the way we present the stories um, has a big impact in how they're transmitted. Gracie, in your own life, when you're parenting and when you're talking with your child, if you are feeling yourself become 
dysregulated in some way, what do you do in real time to support yourself? So as you're saying, you can have these conversations without your body communicating tons of stress around this. Yeah. I think it depends. Sometimes in the moment, I might say, you know, wow, that when you said that, I felt it somewhere in my body. And like, mm. uh, I want to take a, a, a breath and think about it. Or um, or I might just kind of do a quick scan myself and make sure that my shoulders aren't up around my ears. And um, I'm speaking, trying to speak more slowly and thoughtfully because it is okay to take time. Um, it's important to take time and not rush through it. So mm -hmm. breathing always helps. And a lot of uh, filler like, wow, hey, never thought of that. That's amazing. And always know that it's okay to say, I don't know, or I need to think about that. Yeah. And that gives me time. Yeah. I know when I, when I do a body scan, I'm always so shocked at how often my butt is completely right. clenched right it's like these parts of our bodies hold stress and not like it's you know and I don't say any of this to suggest too like we can't have any stress we can't experience or shouldn't experience stress talking about these really really painful histories yeah and I'm curious about ways that yeah we can support ourselves and support the young people in our life Now we will return to the conversation at the park where Emma will play the role of the grown-up and I will play the role of the child. Gracie, can I tell you a story? Yeah, I love stories. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about this story, about this invention, this idea, this made-up idea that all people with tan skin, light tan skin, like the color of mine, are all one group. But I forgot to tell a really important start of, part of the story. So I want to tell you this part that I forgot. Mm-hmm. I'm on here. The thing I forgot to tell you is that the story about white people being invented is also a story about people of all skin colors teaming up and working together. So people with light tan skin, whose ancestors were from Europe, who owned the land. And remember, how did they get that mm -hmm. land? They... The people that came from Europe, they, they stole it. They stole the land. Exactly. So they had, so some people from Europe had land that they owned and they, they'd either stolen it or sometimes they'd paid just a little, little, little bit of money for it. And they wanted people to work on the land for them. So usually they had like big farms and they wanted people to work on the farms. Like, can you think about what are some things that happen on farms? On farms, they grow food, they have animals. Um, they got the tractors. Yeah, exactly. There's people, there's a lot of work to do on farms. And what you're saying is exactly right. Growing food is something that takes a lot of work. Taking care of animals takes a lot of work. And to the people who own the land, they didn't want the workers to be friends or to cooperate or try, or try to team up to change how they were being treated. Why? I'm wondering, can you think of any time 
when you tried to team up with someone? I, at school, um, we have the, the classroom chores in Chessamon, and I had to sweep the floor. And then I had the dustpan because um, I could reach it because I'm a little bit taller. And then she held the broom, and we swept the floor together. Mm, that's a beautiful example. So... Exactly. So the people who owned these farms didn't want the workers, the people who worked in the farm, to do what you and your friend did, which was to work together to to solve a problem. So the people who owned the land started giving small things to people with light tan skin that they didn't give to people with brown skin. That's not fair. And they... And they did this for a very particular reason. They were trying to treat some of their workers differently than other workers. And they were trying to make the people with light tan skin who worked on their farm to feel more the same and more connected to them who also had light tan skin instead of feeling more the same and more connected to people with brown skin, even though the people with brown skin had lives that were really like the same as they were similar, really, really close to theirs because they were, um, they were treated the same mostly and they were doing the same type of work. So what do you think makes you more the same? Do you think having the same skin color makes you more the same as someone or spending your days being treated the same as someone and doing the same kind of work as someone? Hmm. I know like Jessamine, she she doesn't have the same kind of skin as mine and but we both love piggy and an elephant and we both love to jump rope and um there's lots of things that we are the same at we both love we're both really good at drawing and it, yeah so i think it's like the the way you know, and then we're, we're both in the same grade. So this idea of white people was invented because people who worked on farms of all skin colors were teaming up with each other and saying no. So another day I'll tell you more of this story because there's a long, amazing, really important story of workers of all skin colors fighting together to take care of each other and to take care of themselves. Hmm. I just want to make a note here for context. This moment in history I'm talking about in this scene was a short period of time in the 1600s before chattel slavery of African descendant people was institutionalized, where there were African people on this land who had been stolen and kidnapped and brought here, and then European folks who were workers who had chosen to immigrate. Um, and people, the language historians use to talk about that time where people were indentured servants. And so indentured servitude has a time period for laboring, sort of as if it's sort of this notion that people sort of have like a quote unquote debt to work off. And then once they work that debt, they sort of quote earn their freedom. Um, and servants, indentured servants have a few more rights than enslaved people and were not considered property in the way that enslaved African descendant people were considered property. So people were still treated very, very unfairly. And then when slavery of African descendant people became written into laws, the living and working conditions of European descendant people and African descendant people became very, very different.
We have two picture book recommendations connected to today's conversations. The first book is The Colors We Share by Angelica Das. We shared this title before, but find it very relevant again with this conversation here. This book has beautiful photographs of people with all different skin colors being matched to Pantone colors. The book explores how skin color and race are related, but how people categorized as many races can also have the same exact skin color. The second book is Black is a Rainbow Color by Angela Joy, and it's a beautiful exploration of the relationship between the color black and the culture and people who are called black in this country. And along with the story, the illustrations by Akua Holmes are stunning. Today, our idea and quote about freedom is given to us by Thich Nhat Hanh. Freedom is not given to us by anyone. We have to cultivate it ourselves. It is a daily practice. We have, we have to, to cultivate, cultivate it ourselves. ourselves. It is, it is a, a daily, daily practice. practice. And we're so appreciative of the audio production, the music, and sound design for this podcast as done by Echo Finch. We invite you all to be a part of these conversations. We welcome feedback questions, and would love to include moments from your own lives with children that you would be curious to see us work through on the podcast. Emma and I are community educators and work with groups of teachers, parents, and caregivers. If you're interested in working with us or want to give feedback or scenarios for the podcast, you can contact us through our website, thefullstoryschool.org, or by sending us an email at thefullstoryschool at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Gracie. Hi, Emma. What does freedom mean?